0: You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Hello, New Life. Well, I guess I should introduce myself. My name is Joshua. And I am a graduate of USCB, that is the University of Sheep and Camels in Bethlehem. And I am what they call a certified professional shepherd. Ooh, pretty impressive, right? That's right, sheep, they're my specialty. I know how to call them, herd them, feed them, raise them, breed them, birth them, protect them, shear them, and sell them, and on occasion, barbecue them. I'm just kidding. I'm exaggerating, I'm embellishing just a little bit. You see, you don't really have to be a graduate of any university to do what I do. I was kind of just stuck with it. It was my life. It was my livelihood. Every day, just tending sheep in the land of Palestine. But I'm here today to tell you about a miracle a miracle that happened in my life. It was a moment when, in the middle of my everyday routine sheep herding life, God came, He visited, and He interrupted everything. It was a night when God revealed his plans and his purposes, not just for me, but for the whole world. And it was also the night when I met Jesus face to face. You see, I have to be honest with you, I'm really not comfortable speaking in front of large crowds like this. I'm just a shepherd. I'm no theologian. I'm not sophisticated like many of you are. I'm not educated like some of you are. No, from an early age, my father taught me the one skill that he ever knew, the skill that was passed on from his father and his father's father, and that's the art and science of sheep and shepherding. I'm not a theologian. My parents did raise me in a godly home. They told me stories of our forefathers, people of faith like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and men and women, like Moses and Esther, David and Ruth, Samuel and all the prophets, all of these people in my heritage. And occasionally we would go to the synagogue and we would hear the teachings of the rabbis. But that was it. That was the extent of my religious upbringing. We didn't mingle a lot with other people. It's not that we're antisocial. It's just that people didn't want us around. Our trade was not so highly esteemed. No parent in their right mind wanted their children to grow up to be a shepherd. It was hard, monotonous work. I mean, we spend most of our time outdoors, exposed to the elements in the heat of the sun and in the rain and in the cold. Now, here in your country, you have these fenced Pastures and the elaborate barns to care for your animals, to control where they went. But where I'm from, we let our sheep go in open countryside. We have to lead them to eat in green pastures. We have to lead them to drink in the waters. Occasionally, we'd have to protect them from predators constantly threatening our flock, predators like snakes and wolves and the occasional marauding lion. Now you might think, ooh, that's cool, that's heroic. No, it's not. No one ever thought of us as heroes. We were nobodies. Shepherds were looked down upon. Nobody wanted us around. And part of that was the way we looked. We were always dirty, we were always dusty. But most of the reason they didn't want us around was because of the way we smelled. Now, when you spend a lot of time with sheep, guess what you begin to smell like? A bunch of sheep. Sheep. You may not know this, but sheep are not cute. They are not cuddly. They are not fuzzy little things that you want to hold on to. They are just as nasty as pigs. They are filthy animals. You see, the wool that you see ready to be sold or made into fine clothes, like many of you beautiful people are wearing today, that wool has been refined. It has been processed and thoroughly cleaned. It's a good thing I got cleaned up today, or else you probably would have kicked me out of your fine facility. But no matter how rugged we looked or how rotten we smelled, what I could never understand was why the townspeople would mistrust shepherds. Maybe it was because of our nomadic lifestyle. You see, we always go to and fro, leading our flocks to greener pastures, and people would have suspicion on us whenever things went missing, right? Whenever things went missing, who was the first person they would blame? It's probably the shepherd over there. They probably took it. We're often accused of being thieves, Nobody trusted us. We couldn't give a testimony in a court of law, in a legal proceeding. Our word was not considered trustworthy. We are backward people, according to them. We are unschooled. We are unsophisticated. But what hurt me the most is when the religious leaders would mistreat us, when they would have this attitude that we were nobodies. You see, I was part of this special group of shepherds who raised lambs used in the temple sacrifice in Jerusalem. Now, we really worked hard. We worked diligently to raise these lambs for the Lord. We would bring them to the priests and to the people and show that they had no spots, they had no blemishes, they were fit for sacrifice. We didn't pawn off blind or crippled sheep because we knew, we figured out that God deserved the very best. And that's what we gave, our very best. But did the did the religious leaders recognize our efforts? No. As soon as we gave them the sheep, they paid us, and then they told the temple guards to drive us out of the temple. We did not belong there. It's because we were considered unclean. You see, in order to be uh, participate in the Jew- Jewish life, religious lives, um, you had to participate in all the ceremonies that they set up. You had to participate in the rituals that they had set up to be clean. Now, even if we wanted to do it, we could never take a day off. Shepherding is a 24-7 kind of job. We couldn't take the Sabbath off. Who was going to take care of the sheep on the Sabbath? Us. And so we were branded as ceremonially unclean. You couldn't even touch us, or else you too would become unclean. Imagine that. I was looked down upon. I was seen as unclean every time I approached the holy city, the temple. Religious leaders would say, you don't belong here. And so when people despised us, I began to wonder, does God despise us too? Does God really care about me? Why would God pay attention to someone as insignificant as me? But then it happened that one night. As these thoughts and feelings were dwelling in my heart, in one night they all vanished. The notion that God didn't love me, it vanished the night that the angel appeared. That's right, I said it, an angel appeared. Do you believe me? I'm a shepherd, why would you believe me when I say an angel appeared? It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But you know, it really happened. And I hope that unlike my own countrymen, you would believe the testimony that I have. Unlike my own countrymen, you would see that even though I'm no theologian, I'm just a mere shepherd, you would receive the word, the testimony that I have about that night. It was a late night in the winter, the season, I knew it well because that's when the rain started pouring on our land. And and for a few weeks during the year, lush vegetation uh, would come up in Judea. And the barren fields would have grass. There would be flowers everywhere. And we would take our sheep and all the shepherds around us, we would just collect them all into one big flock And we would surround the sheep, and some of us would be resting. Some of us would be playing our harps and our flutes. Some of us would be telling stories. But that night, it became silent. There was was an odd silence that fell upon the land. And in that silence, in an instant, an enormous human life figure appeared right there in the middle of our flocks. His clothes were brilliant white, like snow, except brighter. And everyone left his post. Those who were resting got up, and we got our staffs, and we got our swords and our slings, just in case he was up to no good. And we approached this intimidating figure. We were terrified. But, you know, we had him outnumbered. But the sheep, they would just lay there, calm, Resting, not one of them moved. And what happened next is difficult for me to describe because as I approached this man in white, I knew, I could tell this was no ordinary being. This was not a man. Every hair on my body was standing on end. I was shaken, but I was also intrigued. And before any of us could reach our dazzling visitor, something like a bright light enveloped us. It wasn't an earthly kind of light because it wasn't blinding, but it was so pure, it was so intense, it was so radiant that I could feel it penetrating into my body, into the joints, into the marrow, to the very depths of my soul. And I was overwhelmed by the power of this light because within it I sensed a presence. I sensed a holiness. Something in my spirit told me that this light was the radiant glory of God. This was the fire of His presence that I had heard about in many of the ancient Hebrew stories. This experience was not as you might imagine because those who stand in the presence of the Almighty understand His overwhelming holiness. You know how I felt? I felt like blisters were erupting in my soul. I felt filthy, I recognized how dirty I was and not because of the manure on my sandals or the sweat stains in my tunic but because I was filthy in the presence of a utterly pure, righteous and holy God. And so I wanted to run and hide. Part of me just wanted to get out of there because I felt naked and I felt afraid. But the other part of me said, no, draw closer draw nearer, because I sensed the presence of an eternal love and acceptance that I had never felt before. And so as I I approached this angel, I fell to my knees and then to my face. I was overcome with awe, with wonder. And then the angel, in a loving way, with peace, with warmth, announced, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Wow, good news? God had a message of good news, joyful news for all people. And then the angel said, Today in the town of David, a Savior will be born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Today, a Savior is born. For hundreds and hundreds of years, our people had been waiting for this Christ, this Messiah. Generations lived and died with that hope that one day Messiah would come. And the time was at hand, the time had come, and God made this announcement to us, to me, a nobody. He said, the time has come, today a Savior has been born. And so I presume that this announcement had probably already been made to the religious leaders in Jerusalem. This announcement probably had already been made to the royal family in Rome. And everyone around was already celebrating, right? We were just getting second wind of this. But then the angel concluded the message by saying, this will be the sign For you, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Wow. Okay, the first part of that is pretty normal. All babies who are born get wrapped in swaddling clothes because that keeps them warm and that keeps them secure. But the second part of it, when he said, you'll find this baby lying in a manger. What? A manger. You know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough for animals. You mean to say that the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born and He is lying in a bed of hay mixed with animal saliva? Why wouldn't the Savior, the Messiah, be born and laying in a royal, luxurious crib? I couldn't understand it. And as if my Mine wasn't already spinning suddenly as far as the eye could see. The skies lit up, and a vast multitude of angels appeared. Now, it's misleading to say they appeared because it's as if my eyes were just open to what was already there. Thousands and thousands of angels, heavenly hosts, an army of the Lord, brilliant white Various forms, they appeared and they announced with one voice, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, shalom to men on whom his favor rests. I could have stayed there all night long watching this, but in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, they vanished. They were gone. And I looked at my friends and all of us Had our jaws dropped, we were in awe. We were amazed, frozen with wonder. Now, the first light of dawn was breaking when we finally came to our senses. And I urged those around us, come on, we got to go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And my friends unanimously agreed, we got to go. And then one of them said, what about the sheep? Who's going to take care of the sheep? And I just told him, God will take care of the sheep. we got to go now. And so we went. And we knew where to go because there was only a few homes in Bethlehem where there was a stable that was attached to the house. And we just had to find the one that had the baby in it. And so we found him. We found the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, sleeping snug and warm, just as we had been told. The baby's parents, Mary and Joseph, wonderful couple, they made this 80-mile trek from Nazareth because Caesar Augustus told them, told the whole world, you got to go to your birthplace, your birth town, and get registered for the census. And so as this couple, as Mary, pregnant as she was, had to make this trek to Bethlehem. They finally arrived at Joseph's small ancestral home. And guess what? There was no room left in the guest rooms, and she was about to give birth. And so they just grabbed, the first thing they got was the manger, put some hay in it, and Jesus was born. And they laid him there. And when we found them, they were at peace. Mary was beaming, She was glowing. It was amazing to see this young woman, only probably 16 years old. And so I was amazed because we shepherds were the only ones there visiting. Where were the religious leaders? Jerusalem was only six miles away. Where were they? A few moments later, a knock came on the door and guess who walked in? Gentile astrologers. You call them wise men. They're pagans. They came in, they saw Jesus, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Imagine that, Gentile pagans bowing down to worship this baby, and none of the Jewish religious leaders ever came, ever. They didn't show up. They didn't welcome this Christ child. Pagans did. Us, nobody's shepherds did. And we just huddled around this little baby for just a little while. And we told our stories of that night, of how the angel came and told us the good news. And then Mary shared her story about six months prior when Gabriel, or nine months, when Gabriel visited her and told her the good news. And we were all just in awe of all the things that God was doing in the last few months. You see, common folk like Mary and Joseph, marginalized folks, Like shepherds and and, and, and Gentile pagans like these wise men. God revealed himself to us after 400 years of silence. God revealed himself to mankind through the most unexpected people. Now Mary cherished our visit and we knew it was time to go. So we said our farewells and as we left the house, people were starting off their day, and we couldn't help but share the good news to every single person that we met. And guess how they responded? Get away from me, you shepherd. They didn't believe us. Why should they? But then on, our, on my way back to my regular job, sheep herding, I was just filled and overflowing with praise to, the God, to God for what he had done that night. I was transformed that night because of this holy visitation, this holy interruption, this encounter with the living God. And my doubts were replaced with faith. And my frustrations were replaced with joy. And this feeling that I had of being unaccepted was replaced by a feeling of love and acceptance. And I had so much peace that day, shalom, from God. That God had a plan and a purpose for my life, no matter where I came from. And the question always comes to my mind, why would God reveal himself to me? Why would God announce the birth of his son, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to a bunch of grubby, insignificant outcasts? Why wasn't he born in, the grand, in a grand palace like the son of Caesar? Why wasn't Mary able to give birth in the holy city of Jerusalem? Why did God choose the Jewish people for his Messiah, and not the Romans, not the Greeks? And the only answer that I could come up with was this, that God reveals himself and gives favor to those who are humble enough to receive him. God reveals himself and gives favor to those who are humble enough to receive him. You see, I may be a shepherd, but that night I realized that I was really a sheep in need of a shepherd, the good shepherd. And when I recognized that this baby would be the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, just as the angel had declared, I remembered the Psalm of David that says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And when we seek the Lord, when you seek the Lord, as the angel has told us to do, we will find Him. But when we think we have it all together, when we think we're so important or so righteous that we don't need Him, we will fail to know this, that He is here. He is at work all around us. Now, I'm starting to sound a little bit like a rabbi, or a theologian. I am not. I'm just a shepherd. I am uneducated. In the eyes of the world, I'm a nobody, but not to God. Not to God. You might feel that you're a nobody, but not to God. Because when God saw fit to send his one and only son to earth and to announce it to a bunch of common folk, shepherds, Mary, Joseph, we're living proof that you don't have to be special in the eyes of the world for God to reveal himself to you. You don't need a degree. You don't need a status. You don't need a certain level of social leadership to be special for God to reveal himself to you. You just have to be humble enough to receive him. And so maybe you feel like me at times, insignificant, unaccepted, overlooked, but it was for the overlooked that heaven opened up, and it lit up, and the announcement came for us, and God intentionally uses those of us who are overlooked. He uses us to be messengers of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, because God gets all the glory when he uses people like you and me. God gets the glory. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a preacher or a pastor. You don't have to, be, to, to have it all together for God to reveal himself to you. But when you meet Jesus face to face, and some of you have, some of you have experienced him, some of you have encountered the risen Lord, some of you have received Jesus and believed in him, and because you have encountered God, you too can declare the gospel to the rest of the world. And that's why I'm here today, to declare that our Savior is here. Our Messiah has come. He is Christ the Lord. And God wants to reveal Jesus to you and to me and to the rest of this world through you and through me. Because when we meet Him face to face, when we encounter His majesty, when we put our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our life will never be the same again. That's good news. That's good news, don't you agree? Aren't you amazed about what God has done in your life? Aren't you amazed what He has done in history? He is God with us. Jesus is here with us. Rejoice, my friends, joy to the world, the Lord has come, so let us receive our King today. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, shalom, to men on whom his favor rests. Shalom, that's what this season is about, shalom. Would you be the one to bring shalom into your environments to your families, to your situations. Would you want the shalom of the Lord to come into your life today? I do. I want it to to follow me everywhere I go. God's shalom. So would you stand with me? And I'm going to recite this poem by the King David, who was a shepherd just like me. And worship team, music team, you can come up. But if you remember, King David was a shepherd just like me. He was a wonderful king. He was an important figure in Israel's history, but he recognized the need for the great shepherd. And so he said in the Psalms Adonai Roy Lo Exar, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. Nafshi Shemo. He refreshes, he restores my soul, and he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Gam ki elech lo Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Ta'arok lefanai shulkan neged zoherai. Dishantava shemen rosh. Kosi Revaya, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Aktova Hesed Bevet Lo Surely your goodness, your love. Your mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the good shepherd, and you came for us. You came to us as a humble child born in a little quiet town called Bethlehem. You didn't just come for the elite. You didn't just come for the gifted and the powerful. You didn't just come for the religious or the educated. You came for the overlooked. You came for the down and out. You came for the lowly and the humble. And my prayer today is that we would be humble enough to receive you. Today we want to receive you, our Good Shepherd, because all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and yet you, Good Shepherd Jesus, came to rescue us. You came to redeem us. So Jesus, today, be our Savior and our Lord. And if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, for the first time, you can do that right here and right now. You just have to say, Jesus, be my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Make me holy and blameless in your sight. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me boldness and courage to proclaim your good news, your gospel to those who need you. Jesus, Jesus, I pray for new life, that we will be bold and courageous to declare your gospel wherever we go. Your good news, because many of us have encountered you in a mighty way. And we just need this boldness, this supernatural power to declare that to this dying world. We want life to come in and through us. So Lord, would you do that today? Jesus, we worship you and you alone this Christmas. We thank you that Christmas is about you, Jesus, and nothing else. And Lord, we love you. Would you declare your love for the Lord right now? We love you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and honor and glory. Lord, if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. So Lord, I pray that this church would be saturated with your praises that we will be filled to the fullest to be able to go out from this place and declare the gospel, the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ, the shalom of God, the peace of God to everyone we meet. And so we thank you, Jesus, and we honor you today and we worship you right now with these songs of praise and adoration because Jesus, you are Messiah, the name above all names, our blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us. And you said you will never leave us or forsake us. You will be with us always, even to the very end of the age. And we rest in that promise that no matter where we go, no matter what stage in life we're at, that you are with us. You are with us, Jesus. Jesus. And so we love you, Lord, and we love your presence. And we, we want it everywhere we go. We want to be in your presence. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Let's worship the Lord. Let's praise his holy name. Thank you. Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlife4square.org.